Thank you again. Brother Tillman said that because of the length of my legs, I might be tempted to speak longer than normal, but that was from the right side. I traveled to the left side of the auditorium here, and I was encouraged by our senior, one of our senior beloved members, that I'm going to surprise our Brother Tillman and be very brief. So, in conclusion, <laughs> let me say that my brothers and sisters, let us love one another. If we can do that, I'm always um, halfway through. Now, the challenge for me, though, as a teacher in this setting is that there is no way for me to measure whether or not you do love one another. Because if I ask you to raise your hand, if you do love one another, some of you may be tempted to lie. Some of you might pretend you didn't hear me, so you won't do anything. You wouldn't even try to make eye contact with me. You would look down to look very spiritual as if you're meditating on something, but you are avoiding the issue. I couldn't give you a quiz, you know, because you probably won't fill it out. You don't have the right pencil or utensil to, to write, and that becomes a challenge for me. But if you love one another, then I'm practically through. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, yea, even the forgiveness of sins. Someone says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, his mercies Endure it forever. If that's true, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those whom he has rescued from the foe, those whom he had gathered from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, as we transition into this brief time of sharing with you this morning, to pray, to pause with me just one more time as we again commit ourselves to God. Our Father, you are too wonderful for us to comprehend. You have been good to us beyond measure. We thank you for what you have done. And now, Lord, as these few moments that we have, we again commit ourselves to you. Please let us hear only you. Speak to our hearts. You know exactly where we are as individuals. We cannot hide anything from you. We lay transparent, exposed before your all-seeing eye. Speak to us. Change us where we need to be changed so that we might live a life that is honoring to you, 
where your name is exalted in truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you are saved and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're saved and you're not sure, say amen. I need to see that person afterwards. <laughs> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become nothing but a noisy gong and a clanging or clinging symbol. Other teachers, by the way, do you know that some teachers drink? Now, I ain't talking about no water. Let me tell you why. Because we, we give tests quite frequently, and just so that we can protect the innocent, these children were not from over the hill. But they gave a test. I just want you to listen to some of the responses of some children. Um, and just again to protect the children, so that some of you are very sharp may not be able to find these children after service. I am going to say that these children are not from New Providence. Let's do a little better job than that. These children are not from the Bahamas. Good. Now, for you to find them, you have to have your visa ready. Well, listen, and this is why some teachers drink after being in class. One, on an exam, one of the questions was, please briefly explain what hard water is. Child answer. Ice. <laughs> Next question. What is the highest frequency, or what is the highest frequency noise that a human ear can register? Answer, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Next question. What did Mahatma Gandhi and Genghis Khan have in common? Answer, unusual names. <laughs> Next question on the test. Name one of the early Romans, one of the early Romans' greatest achievement. Answer, learning to speak Latin. Next question. Name six animals which have lived specifically in the Attic region. Answer, Two polar bears and four seals. <laughs> Teachers drink. Here's another one. What is vibration? Answer. There are good vibrations and bad vibrations. Good vibrations was discovered in the 1960s. Last one. What happens during puberty to a boy? Answer. He says goodbye to his childhood and enters adultery. <sighs> you will not change what you do not acknowledge. You will not change what you do not acknowledge. James chapter 1 says, Let us not let not many of you, my brethren, become teachers, 
knowing that as such you will incur a greater or stricter judgment. Now, unlike these children from another place that cause teachers to hit the bottle by such answers, guess who this is? Imagine this person in your class. You tell me who he is. In chemistry, class, in BJC, and we are in this testing period now in the Bahamas. Glad is in progress, finishes on Tuesday. You have BJCs and BGCSE going on. But guess what it says? In chemistry, this person turned water into wine. I know you'll never guess that in a million years. In biology, he was born without a normal conception. In physics, he disapproved the law of gravity when he ascended into heaven. In economics, he disapproved the law of diminishing return by feeding 500 men, not even counting the women and children, with two fish and five loaves of bread. In medicine, he cured the sick and the blind without administering a single dose of drugs. In history, he says that he is the beginning and the end. In government, he said that he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Prince of Peace. And in religion, he said no one comes to the Father except through him. Guess who that is? You're right. He is Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Let's celebrate him. And he says that we should love one another. And I say, and until you get a picture of who Jesus is or who God is, maybe that's why you do not respond as I believe that you and I should. Isaiah says in chapter 6 that in the year King Uzziah died, around 739 uh, B.C., he says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there were seraphims above the throne. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with the other two, they flew. Imagine what that sounded like. And these seraphims, they called back and forth to one another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Smoke filled the temple. The doorpost of the door of the temple shook. Isaiah experiencing this says, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Until you have seen him, then you do not appreciate the awesomeness of who he is. And then by contrast, our sinfulness. God has demanded from us as his children that we should obey him. God has never called us to do something that he has not equipped us to do. Isn't that true? Is it possible for you to love one another? The teacher is going to give you the answer on this exam. <laughs> Say yes, yes. It is indeed very possible. 
I'm told, by the way, that doctors sometimes can examine the color of your tongue and then determine the condition of one's health. Now, how many of you know what color your tongue is right now? You're scared. Yeah. Don't you put that out. I'm told that if your tongue is pink, you're okay. Yes. All right. But if it is white, or there's a lot of little white spot on it, you may have, so says Dr. Fowler, a fungal infection. If it is light yellow, maybe you have a fever or some stomach problem. How big is it? Maybe um, in terms of your tongue. Well, it's about four inches long. Depend. Isn't it strange, though, how some people call people say, you get big mouth, but they never tell you get big tongue. Uh, um, and usually... <laughs> Big tongue. doesn't have the same ring. Big mouth. The tongue, whose tongue is heavier? Men or women? Around 60 grams to 70 grams. I know what you're thinking. I I agree with you. Good. Okay. Just as a doctor can tell or can look at one's tongue to diagnose the condition of one's bodily health, so a person's words are indication of what is within. The tongue can be an instrument of untold good, but also of incalculable evil. Someone has said that a sharp tongue is the only edge tool that grows sharper and keener with use. It can blight hope and blasted reputation. These are witnesses to the tongue's awful power. In many cases, the tongue has murdered its victims. Some people specialize in misrepresenting the truth. And indeed, it's intentional because they intend to damage or blacken another person's reputation. Now, please imagine, if you will, the effect if you responded to every scandal monger or gossiper with the resolve that the shepherds did after being told by the angels um, the good news of the gospel when they said that there was born to you today a savior who is Christ the Lord. And what did the shepherd say in response? Come, let us go see if this thing has come to pass. In other words, let us come, let us go see if this thing is true. Imagine if someone comes up to you, you know, instead uh, um, saying, um, you know what I hear? And you says, come, let's go to this person where you say you hear that from. Let's see if this is true. What do you think would be the result? Well, I'm busy right now. Another time. They ain't want none of that because they don't want to confront the person. But if they said, but sometimes I think we are too quick to believe just what we hear from somebody else. So when you hear somebody says, child, guess what I hear about Pastor Fowler? And remember that child I told you about before? If the person starts the child, that's your cue. You know, child, and they lower their voice, child. <laughs> if they say, child, you hear Pastor Father, and then they saw me down in Rawson Square, you know, and the police around me, they say, I always knew that 
he couldn't be in that small. You know, he was on drugs, yeah. And he would say, I believe, I believe it. I always knew something was wrong, you know. We are so quick to believe a gossip, but so slow to believe the gospel. This is amazing. We are so quick to believe a slander and so slow to believe the scripture. Incredible members of the body of Christ. That should not happen among the body of Christ. That should not happen. This ought not to be. But how does this begin? How does this begin where people begin to gossip and to speak evil of another person? Again, I'm advised that in terms of an infection, that there are stages in an infection. First, of course, you, how many of you have had, just put your hand up and put it back down before I see it. How many of you have ever been, what they call it, vaccinated for something before? I said, put it up and put it down. You are so slow. I almost saw you all. You know, I said, put it up and put it down before I see it. So first of all, what is the vaccine or the vaccination for? To build something, right? Resistant? Something, uh, uh, some antibody so that it can prevent us, some shield protection in case when the real guy shows up on your door, then this thing will come out and say, hey, you know, you can't get in here. We, are, we have this under control. But I'm told that the first thing for you to get infected, you must have low resistance. That's the first stage of the, the exposure or having an infection. Then the, the second would be exposure to the infected person. Then there is the initial infection. Then there is the spread of that infection throughout the body which culminate in destruction or death of the body. That's what happened in a physical way. I believe the same is true. Likewise, there are stages in becoming a gossiper. If we in another place, I would say all gossipers raise hand, you know, but I would never do that here, you know. Um, but there are also stages in becoming a gossiper. And some of you may have met one, but let me ask it. I think it's safe to ask this. How many of you know somebody you believe is a gossiper? <laughs> Look at these people. See what I said? They won't tell me, you know. They won't know that you're thinking about them. So let, me, let me reverse the question. How many of you do not know anybody who gossips? I see one child under five raised their hand. Five <laughs> Thank you, my brother. <laughs> there are stages, likewise, in terms of persons who become a gospel. First, I think, first, there's the ignorance of what the Bible says. Um, in James chapter 3, verse 6, if you understand that the tongue is referred to as a fire, very graphic description. But not only that, there's also ignorance of how words can sever even the closest of friends and family members. Then there's ignorance of what constitutes an evil report. What is evil report? Do you know sometimes people use prayers to gossip? Like how you tell, like how I read earlier and told you, give you an update on Pastor Lee. If somebody can use that, it seems innocent, very pious. Pastor Lee's recuperating. Some of you are thinking, I don't believe that man. He liked to shop, eh? He's gone to the mall. Out of all things, God raised him up and he sent him to the mall. It's amazing. But some people will stand up and give a prayer request, and sometimes it's about somebody else, and say, did you hear? I want all of us to please remember. Let's pray for a dear brother or sister. 
They're struggling. I understand they had to sleep out last night. They had one big broke down. Pray that God will bring them back up. People use that to gossip about somebody else, but they use it in that form and somebody say, Amen. Ignorance of who gives an evil report is also another stage. Then there's also the exposure to evil communication. Then there is the defilement. That is the person who accepts the report. I had a practice in terms of when I move from different schools, when I'm speaking with the personnel or the administrative personnel, one of the things I say to them is, please, one thing I need you to do for me, do not tell me anything about any staff member. Um, do you promise? And I said, now, except under one condition. If any of them is a Taliban or Taliban, let me know now. And if they come and they put something under my seat or chair, let me know so I can go check it out before I go and sit down. But otherwise, please do not try to contaminate me with what you perceive to be wrong or what is wrong with the other person so that I don't come away from that experience with a prejudice before I even have an opportunity to meet the person and see them for myself. So there's the possibility, not the possibility, but in terms of stages, there is a defilement of the person who accepts these kinds of evil report. And then, of course, then there's the infection, which is the response to the evil report with affection. Some people really love gossip. They, and they, they text it, they fax it. That's fax, but people who from another place say fax. I get a fax message. Yeah, fax, fax. Then, then they, go on, they go on all kind of book, your face on the book. Um, they, but tell, any means they will find someone to contaminate. And then there is these willing persons who say, more, give me more. What else do you hear? Did you hear anything? There are some people like that. Then there's, of course, like I mentioned, the infection and ultimately the destruction. But that is true, not only in terms of your physical body. That's what happens in the body of Christ when we do that among ourselves. And so that should never happen, my brothers and sisters. That should never happen. It certainly shouldn't happen if we truly love one another. Now, even though we mentioned that the tongue is a very small and very petite instrument, but it can be very powerful, it can be very influential, and it can be used for good. By the way, listen to what James says about this tongue in chapter 3, verse 2 and following. James chapter 3, verse 2 and following. For we all stumble in many ways. For we all stumble in many ways. I take that to understand that all of us at some point or another in the past have stumbled. Now in context, it's about stumble by your tongue. Now, when I asked earlier about the size, the literal physical size of your tongue, sometimes your tongue gets you in trouble. But notice where the tongue is perched. Behind the gate, for those who still have gate. I mean, behind your teeth. It does the damage and it goes back in. And the rest of your body suffer the consequence for it. Did I tell you the story about this little boy? Who, who, did, I, did I tell you? Oh. I, he came to me. Well, let's put it this way. The teacher brought him to me because the boy had stolen a dollar from another student. 
And the teacher knew it, but she couldn't prove it. Have you ever been there? Say, yeah. You ain't never been there, so stop that. But the, the teacher brought the boy in with the boy who was the victim and says, he stole it. I know he stole it, but I can't prove it. I said, okay, thank you. See you. And I said to the boy who was there with his um, accuser, tell me what happened. Well, first, he was ready defending himself. In Judge Judy's court, he would not have that opportunity. But I said, I said, tell me what happened. He said, I ain't doing nothing. He said, tell me, I ain't teeth nothing. And he got his teeth clenched because he, he's upset that he has been accused. So he said, I ain't doing nothing. He said, Jim, you took my shoes. I ain't got nothing in my shoes. And so, obviously, he had already checked the shoe, and there was nothing there. It wasn't in the socks. You know, he checked his pocket. Nothing was there. And I'm sitting there staring at him as he gave his defense. Then I said, oh, by the way, uh, um, take that out of your mouth. <laughs> and, and, and he says, and I said, as look, and I said, just, just take it out of your mouth, then we can continue, because I can't hear you clearly. And there was a dollar bill folded <laughs> up. Yeah. I, I said, put it there. You know. I, I left it on the desk for several months, and some teachers who came in um, saw the dollar that was already being dried now. And they said, ooh, I got a dollar. And they picked it up. I said, you wouldn't want to know where that been. <laughs> and they dropped it. We have all stumbled, James says, at some point or another. We've all sometimes gossiped or said something that we shouldn't have said. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth, so that they may obey us. We direct their entire body as well. Amazing. Behold the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires, that's where the boat will go, even though it has a very small rudder. So also, the tongue is a small part of your body. Look at it. And yet, it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set ablaze or aflame by such a small fire. The tongue, my brothers and sisters, is referred to as a fire. It is the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And yet, it also sets this ablaze or sets our life for fire as if by hell. That is very graphic. Verse 9 says this in following. With it, we bless the Lord mm -hmm, and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. Think about it. The same tongue, bless the Lord and Father, and turn around and cuss man, who is made in the image 
of God. The same person, the same man, the same men who God loved, who is made in his image. How do you do that? Well, they gave you some examples. You can get sweet and sour from the same source. That'll be a hybrid, something wrong, skitsy, something wrong with that. It doesn't fit. It is unnatural. And yet, it happens. It says, it's my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. You can't be praising God and then, well, what? Do you, do you praise God for what he is, who he is, what he has done, how he has blessed people? And then you turn right around with the same tongue and you curse these same persons that God has made in his image. More importantly, when we think about the body of Christ, how can you do that? How can you gossip or speak evil of other members of the body of Christ? Again, my brothers and sisters, we should stop it. It shouldn't happen. It does not reflect love one another. In summary then, the tongue is very perverse. I believe that it is satanic and it is very infectious. It is fueled by hell itself. as a restless evil. No one can tame it, it says. Unless, of course, by the Holy Spirit or the obedience of the person to the Holy Spirit. It is full of deadly poison. Yet, it is used for praise and cursing. The tongue. Look at, look at your bulletin. I, I think I saw it. Here's a, the caption we have here. Suppose gossiping was literally and instantly fatal. Would you be alive today? Hey. If gossiping was literally fatal, how many of you have been the object of someone gossiping about you and you found out later on, but you're still here? Praise the Lord, you're still here. But if it was fatal, you wouldn't have been here. True? Yeah, if it was fatal. But here's the other one. As a Christian, how many murders would you have committed as a Christian? Yikes. Christians do gossip. If it was fatal, we, this number, I, I wouldn't have been here. So I wouldn't have been here to even count to see who is still here. Because it's difficult for you, one, to control the other person who might be gossiping about you. We leave that for the Holy Spirit or the person's obedience to the Holy Spirit. It is clear in terms of what God expects to happen within the body. But now it's the individual has to be obedient to whether or not they follow God's directive. What we are saying essentially here then is this, that this kind of practice or behavior among the, bodies of, the members of the body of Christ should not happen. No gossiping, period. The next time they come to you about, let me tell you something, or they start up by, you wouldn't believe. Before they finish the last sound and believe, you say, I believe, I believe. You're confessing already, and you don't hear nothing yet. But there are some persons like that. When they finish, they come. Let us go see if this thing is true. I guess if you insist on that, you will deter those persons from coming back to you. They'll go and find another person who has a low resistance was gullible. But if all of us, committed as a body of Christ, determine that we will not be the depository of this gossip, 
can imagine, I imagine, we how we can transform immediately our world. Certainly, the level of genuine fellowship that exists in the body of Christ. Someone has defined gossiping as hanging an individual first, and then later saying that we'll give them a fair trial later. Because some people hear things and they make a complete judgment and that's it. They haven't gotten the detail. They're not interested really in the person's welfare to begin with. My brothers and sisters, as they, before you came to Christ, you, let's call that old man, that old nature that you had as, as Ephesians um, describes it. You were aimless, that means that you walked about in the futility of your own mind. You were not only aimless, but you were blind. That is, there, your understanding was darkened. You were also ungodly, meaning that you were alienated from the very life of God. That you were also shameless, meaning that you were past feelings. You are now callous. You do not have that sensitivity anymore with respect to how another person feels. You've gone beyond that. You also sought it in respect of your consciously. You have determined that you would give yourself over to lewdness. You were also indecent in terms of sexuality. You gave yourselves over to every kind of uncleanness. Then you were insatiable. You have this greed, greediness that cannot be easily satisfied. And as far as our position as Christ is concerned, the old man should be dead and buried. With all of its bitterness, wrath and anger and evil speaking and malice, those things should not exist in the body of Christ. But the reality is, it does. And to the degree that it does, determines the degree of our obedience to Christ. I'm asking you then, in conclusion again, to put on the new man, as it described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This new creation in which the old things have passed away, and all things have now become new. To do that, I ask you simply to be kind. Demonstrate your kindness, and that simply means an unselfish concern for the welfare of others and a desire to help others even at great personal sacrifice. And then next to kindness, I also want you to be tender-hearted. Demonstrate your tender-heartedness. That is being very sympathetic and affectionate and compassionate in terms of the interests of others and a willingness to bear their burden. And then here comes this F word, which must be a very dirty word, forgive. Forgiveness. This is a readiness to pardon the offenses of others to overlook the personal wrong that is done to you and so that you will do not allow these kinds of things to harbor or be in your harbor, especially if it is one of retaliation, forgiveness. If we do that, that reflect, if you do these things, it reflects the new man that we are expected to put on. I believe that truth is the debt that we owe to all men. It is unthinkable for Christians to lie to another Christian, and we know by experience that it happens. Yea, some of us may have been a practitioner ourselves. My brothers and sisters in the incredible body of Christ, this ought not to be. Who is the father of life? Mm -hmm. The devil, Satan. John chapter 8, verse 44 gives a description of that. He is the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. So what do you think then if you are a practitioner? I ask you, who's your power? If you are practicing it, you show the very nature, the DNA of your daddy. And in the context, Jesus was talking to these people who was accusing him, and he was telling them that, your daddy, not my father is not your father. 
because you practice lying. Suppose, for example, in your body, your nerve in your body deliberately send a false message to your brain. Deliberately, any nerve sends a false message to your brain. Do you think that will have any adverse effect on your body? Take, take another example. Suppose your eye sees a danger coming, heading straight for your head or some part of your body. Usually when we see danger, the reflex is the eye tells the brain, the brain decides to send something. If it's close enough, the brain will go in. Involuntary muscle will come, what we call reflex action. If it is long distance taking time to get, the body may decide, all right, you need to go left, go right, duck boy, you know, whatever it is, if it has time. Otherwise, you will get hit. But suppose the eye see it coming, and the eye determine it ain't coming at me, but it can get the neck, you know, <laughs> or some other part of the body. And so the eye tells the brain, ain't nothing coming, baby, be cool, we all right. What do you think will happen to the rest of the body? You, you'll hit yourself. Now, I see people hit themselves for other reasons. <laughs> All right. You know, self-abuse. <laughs> but if that happens, we would say that something is wrong with that picture. Because that means that the body is not functioning as it should. And so when we say something about it, other members of the body of Christ, we are not functioning as we should. The tongue must be controlled, it must be corralled, and it must be cleansed. Because some people have dirty tongues. Not we talked about those colored early, dirty tongues because they speak evil of others. Like the words of the song in the Barn Again Gang says this, and when they were talking about it, as if the Pharisees and the legal or the, the religious people were questioning Jesus, it says this, in interviewing Jesus, What's your name? Jesus says, on my mother's side, I'm Jesus. But on my father's side, I'm Emmanuel. But where are you from? On my mother's side, from Bethlehem. But on my father's side, I'm from the New Jerusalem. Well, tell me, what's your plan? Well, on my mother's side, they plan to crucify me. But on my father's side, in three days, I will raise again and be seated at my father's right hand. Now, brothers and sisters, I encourage you as I close with the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Members of the incredible body of Christ, let us love one another. Amen? Thank you.